Hello, beautiful people. This is Raina Leon, your scholar, your daughter of the mother-daughter duo. And I'm so glad to be welcoming you again to Generational Archives, the podcast where we do archival research and we share with you how to do it. And then in the process, perhaps help to open up spaces for healing, for becoming, for creating and I am here with my mom, Dr. Norma D. Thomas. How are you going to introduce yourself today, mommy? Well, I'm going to introduce myself as the mother of the mother-daughter duo. <laughs> and we are like by, I was going to say bi-coastal, but we're, we're bi-state. We're in two <laughs> parts of the of the state on the East Coast and, the, and Western Pennsylvania right now. Yes. So y'all, things are happening. Things are happening. So mommy, why are you on the Western part of the state of Pennsylvania right now? Well, it has to do with this concept called dreaming. And, <laughs> and for those of you who are regulars on our podcast, you probably saw an episode on the uh, Fayette County African-American Traveling History Museum. And so I finally realized that hauling all this stuff from from my house to Western Pennsylvania and taking it down the stairs and into the car and coming over here and setting it up and then putting it back in the car and taking it to my house and taking it upstairs is a little much. And realize I can't do it anymore. And I've talked for years about having a permanent space and hope that different spaces would open up. And finally realize I have to do something if it's going to get done because I'm now 70. <laughs> this has to happen. And so I said to Raina, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll do this, but I'm hesitant and on and on. And, you know, what did I say? I said, I have all these people around me dying and they're yes. in their 70s. And should I do this and have this, you know, venture out? And you said, are you telling me that you're going to die sometime soon? <laughs> I said, well, no, I didn't say that. It was just the reality of what's going on around me. Should I get a property? So I am here. Uh, tomorrow will be the housing inspection for a property that I'm looking to purchase back in Uniontown that primarily will be a space for the traveling museum so it doesn't travel anymore, but also be a landing spot for when I come into town, which is relatively frequently instead of being in hotels all the time. So it serves two purposes and my family could use it too. So that's why I'm in town. I may be crazy, but I'm stepping out on faith and we yes. are going to have a permanent space for this museum because people keep giving me stuff now because I've asked for it and be careful what you ask for. So people have made donations to the museum and it's just getting too big and I can't expand the offerings without having a space because I just can't do that up and down and in the car and drive and all that stuff anymore. So that's why I'm here. Well, and I love that when you finally made the decision to move on faith, all of a sudden a house that was perfect appeared and you put in an offer and within a few days you knew that it would be accepted. So stepping out on faith, following the dream, the dream will meet you, right? 
And the other thing that was stand out for me was <laughs> um, how, you know, we've been talking about furnishing the place and I'm like, oh yeah, I got a kitchen table for you. I got, I got a bank cap for you. I got chairs for you. Oh, I happen to be doing events before and I have a whole bunch of folding chairs. That's you're you're going to do cabinets and, and I said, don't throw them cabinets away. I know, I got the kitchen cabinets. needs cabinets. <laughs> Your got, washer and dryer. Oh yeah, I got I got a washer and dryer for you. It's real nice. It even works on the Wi-Fi, all the things. I, I'm going to furnish your whole house. And, and you know, one thing that we had been talking about before you found the property, I had this dream about that, um, a possible bookstore. And I had a dream of the name for the bookstore. And you were like, oh, Raina, that, that sounds right. And we were talking and you like to tell people, oh, my daughter has all these plans for everything that I do. And oh, so yeah. I'm like, oh, I got all these program ideas and you could do this and this and the other. And, you know, the the ideas, the dreams are finding root. And that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. So with that, we wanted to shift our conversation today to the real practical. So the first thing that we're going to focus on, and this is going to be a shorter podcast, is on the birth certificate. So a birth certificate. What information, mommy, what can people expect to find on the birth certificate? We may have talked about this before, but in terms of doing genealogical research, one thing that you should do is start with yourself. So you collect all the documents about yourself. So your birth certificate any certificates that you can find anywhere about yourself and then go to your siblings and then to your parents and grandparents and move out from there. So birth certificates are now a little harder to get because of the issue with identity theft. When I started the journey to capture genealogical history, they were pretty easy to get. So you can eat, but you, and you still can for the purpose of genealogical research. So you can get them either through your state vital records uh, department. So whatever the capital city in your state, there is a vital records where you can apply to get them online, or you can go to your local courthouse and see if they have those documents. Because sometimes the states only go back a certain point. For example, my grandparents' birth certificates, I have not been able to get in Uniontown because they don't. I forget the date, but they were born right before they started holding those records in town and the state doesn't have them. So mm -hmm. you can't get all of them. There is a fee. They will require you to fill out documents to give your life because they want a copy of your license. They want all kinds of documentation that you're not going to try to do identity theft. They're only birth certificates. They're only going to give you if you're the person if it's your birth certificate or the person is deceased. So they, you also have to have proof that this person is deceased. So it's a little harder, but birth certificates will tell you to the extent that they're accurate because that's the one thing you have to understand. All these documents are as good as the person who filled them out. Because if you, if you go back and listen to the podcast about my mom, <laughs> she's got a couple of these birth certificates. So um, with her original name not being the name that we knew her by all her life. So 
there there are some things that you have to be mindful of, but you can get them. Now, some of them are up on Ancestry. If you have a subscription, I'm not pushing Ancestry.com or any of the subscription services. It is the big one. And so it does enable you to get some birth certificates that are right now online, but not all of them that you can get. But it gives you the name of the parents and you know where the person was born, you know, the year they was they were born. So it gives you that kind of detailed information, whether there were any other live births. So if you didn't know that there might be a sibling on that birth certificate, it often says one additional live birth, and you might be able to go back and track down an aunt or uncle that you didn't even know existed. And so there are some clear information on that birth certificate. So don't be deterred. You know, you can just ask, and it costs about ten to twelve dollars for birth certificates. And if they can't find it, they refund your money. Mm-hmm. Well, another piece that I wanted to offer, at least for um for puerto rico and i wonder about other countries spanish-speaking country spaces um where the birth certificates might be similar so in puerto rico i found my Juanita's birth certificate and it was available online through ancestry again we're not pushing ancestry i could find it through family search um as well and for free and the Civil registrations, the the birth certificates um, in Puerto Rico are fascinating because oftentimes it they were testified at, after the birth. So in this case, my grandmother, my Juanita, was born at home, and it notes when the her mother testified as to um, when um, her daughter, my grandmother, was born. It says the exact date that she appeared in the civil registration office, the time that she appeared, the location where she appeared. Um, it also speaks to what her profession was at the time, um, that she was employed as a domestic laborer, that it lists her as single, not married, even though Juanita was one of the later births and she was partnered with her um, partner for, you know, their entire partnership, um, they weren't officially married. Um, and so it notes that uh, my Juanita's mother, Angela, who I had always known as Angelina, um, so it, it gives her official name. It says that she is unmarried. It notes where specifically what neighborhood she's from in the small um, community of Trujillo Alto. And these these birth certificates are fascinating because they're far more detailed than I've ever experienced in the stateside states, because this one also speaks to um, if there were um, other siblings, sometimes it, it will note that in this one, it doesn't. But it says that um, my Juanita, my grandmother, was officially recognized by her father in the 50s. She was actually, by that point, over 35 before she was recognized in the registration, the civil registration with her father. That's noted on the, the birth certificate. They went back and added that to the birth certificate, which is fascinating to me. And then another thing that these birth certificates do is that they note the grandparents. Um, usually in Puerto Rican um, 
in particular baptismal records, the grandparents are noted. But this is fascinating to me because in the birth certificate, grandparents that are known are noted. And in this case, because it was only the mother um, who was the testifier, her parents are noted. So for those people who are doing family uh, research, if you have roots in Puerto Rico, for example, and you find a birth certificate, you may be able to go not just to your relative that you were researching, but their parents and perhaps their parents after that. So the grandparents. You can go back really far. So with every birth certificate, you're going back two generations possibly. So again, gather that information about yourself. I know I got that information with my siblings. So I have all their birth certificates. I have their children's birth certificates because that's the way that we started with my dad's birth certificate. His seems to be accurate. Again, my mother has a couple of different birth certificates, but the ages of her parents are also there. So we saw the big age gap between my grandmother and my grandfather. And there, you know, it, it kind of speaks to some parts of their relationship, looking at that age gap, because if I remember, she was 15 or 16 years old. So, and he was like 21. So there was a, a this big age difference. Mm -hmm. So it gives good information and try either the state vital records or your local courthouse. People in the courthouses tend to be very, very, very helpful. If they can find it, they will do it. And if they can't, they will let you know. So that's one place to start. You can also, the, the piece of documentation that is easier to get is death certificates mm -hmm. because I guess people are less worried about identity theft because that person is deceased, although you could take their identity, but it's less difficult to get. Death certificates, again, question the accuracy because they're just as good as the person filling them out and the people filling them out are also filled with grief at the time and may give inaccurate information. So it gives place, you know, it gives their parents name if the person filling it out knows about it. It gives the place where they were born, the year of the birth, the, the date of the death, what they died from. Some, mm -hmm. some states don't tell you what they died from. Some states are very explicit to give you information on what they died from. So if you're doing anything around genograms and looking at health history, that's a place to also look at your family's health history because you can see, you know, the instances of heart disease in the family or kidney disease or how many people in your family were diabetic and what they they died from or was it an accident or a car accident. That information is in the death certificate. So they're easy to get. Again, it's vital records asking for, they will ask as much information as you can give them in terms of name and birth date and social security number if you have it, because that helps to be able to find the death certificate. And a lot of that information is up on Ancestry or one of the search engines because it's just easier to get. Well, and death certificates can sometimes give a context to the lives of our ancestors that we otherwise would have been missing unless we did historical research around the particular time and the location. But I'm just thinking about one of our ancestors who was a great, great aunt. And 
I remember finding, you know, one of those hints that pops up and it's, it was a death certificate. It wasn't hers. It was for one of her children. Um, and her child had died, um, very, very young, had drowned in a pool um, or a nearby body of water. And it just gave me such empathy um, and, and, and care um, for this relative who had experienced the loss of a child um, in that way. And, you know, I think that sometimes when we're doing ancestral research, we, we focus only on the, on our grandparents, on our great greats and so on, and forget that their lives were also influenced by the extended family around them too. And so doing research alongside can give us clarity on the names and where our people are, are from and how they moved and so on. And it can also give us a sense, uh, a greater context and a greater um, regard and compassion for, for the family that um, influenced one another and ultimately supported us in our, in our flourishing. So, well, like uh, finding really coming into the understanding that a lot of people say in Uniontown died the same year and that was a yeah. TB epidemic and you know what that meant for people who actually survived because some of them wound up in sanatoriums and to take care of um, in our lungs and all that stuff so it puts some things in the context for my family in western Pennsylvania accidents in the coal mine were yeah. a big piece of how people died or that you find out they had been injured and that impacted their lives. So it, it does put some things in the context. And another piece of information, you can get information from Social Security Death Index. Mm -hmm. You Clearly you have to have, um, I, I don't know if you have to, but but it helps a lot if you have the Social Security number. Uh, they will not release information unless they're really convinced that the person has died. So if you send for it and they aren't convinced, they redact everything. And it went from $7 to get information to the last time I tried, it was $27. So it's starting to be more expensive. More expensive. Mm-hmm. Mommy, you're frozen. Just sign out and come back again. Okay, there you go. So um, you were saying that it started- Back to talking about the social security uh, records and what they give you, you can get the original social security application. That list, if you don't know who parents are, whoever filled out that application gives the name of the parents. That was uh, a great piece of information for one of my aunts because somebody had asked me, well, who was her, who was her son's father? Because we never knew. And he evidently had a name and he listed it on that application. So you get 
information that you might not get anyplace else that somebody knows, at least from somebody, who their parents were. And that goes on that application. It also talks about the kind of work that they were doing at the time of that application. So you get an interesting view of someone's life. And occasionally I get real surprised in terms of who people list as their parents that I thought was somebody else. And so if you are looking for parents, that is one clear place to go. And just know that it costs a little bit more now than it used to, to get that information from Social Security. And the last time I tried to get information on an uncle that I didn't know, they redacted that thing so much that it wasn't quite useful at all because I don't know why it's in the death in index. So you assume they know he died, but you have to, they're really cautious and it, it just costs a little more now. But if you don't have any idea who somebody's parents were, you and it's in the era that Social Security was um, a benefit because you know Social Security didn't exist before 1939. Then, in fact, you can get that additional information. So those are three sources to go along that journey. But systematically, go from you know yourself and siblings and parents and grandparents and go outward collecting information and make sure you have all that information put together so that it's understandable. Mm. Because when you go to a vital records place, it's really helpful for them if you can help them because you're organized. So be organized, you know. People always comment when I take my binders to these places and they're like, oh my God, you're so organized. Well, I don't want to come here and waste your time. This is what I'm looking for. So be organized, take that information, put it together. Sometimes um, recently I have some cousins who've been asking me for information. So I've had to go back and, and scan some stuff for them. And then I realized, wait, I've got information here that I never took note of. Mm. And I don't think I wrote this down, the name of so-and-so's father. And I hadn't. It was sitting there clear as day, but I had never noted it anywhere. So it was just a, an additional name to add and send you down another, as I always say with ancestry, another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I really appreciate you speaking to approaching the research with a logical intent and organized by that logic and I want to uplift again of you know sometimes you get you hit a wall when researching a particular person and what has been helpful for me is again researching alongside so who are their siblings maybe I can find a will in connection with them or maybe I can find their birth certificate which will confirm the parents like going logically but when you hit the wall not being stopped by the wall and thinking about well who are the people within that community that I might be able to find out more about um or more to answer the question that I'm trying to answer and right well, I, now do, I, I do want to add that again us doing this research has opened up a lot because yes. my my cousins who who I had 
I mean, you know, I, I know them. I have connected over the years, but not a lot. But my my one um, Aunt Mames, one of her daughters, I've been in touch and then her daughter who had mm -hmm. wanted to do research on the family and also the Thomas side of the family. So we've been sharing a bunch of stuff and, and they're going, um, you know, my older cousin's going down memory lane and her daughter is just fascinated by, I just sent a picture of our uh, essentially, it would be all of our great grandmother, I guess, and and um, you know, one had never seen her, and so I was able to share pictures, and and that connection is great because we I've connected with family that I've had a marginal connection to for a while, so that has been really good. Well, and one question, and and I want to also offer to people is that you can just hold a question and pursue that so we have a an ancestor who um in the family stories when the civil war ended and she was able to claim the freedom that was already within her as a free human being um she left the space where um, the enslaver was, who was also the father of her children, and moved somewhere else and started a new family. And in that starting of a new life also changed her name. And I'm holding that question of trying to find out more about that new life. And I'm starting to get some like hits and mostly through other people's um, other um trees that they've had and a similar name but it's not not the same so what's percolated has been instead of emelina eliza which is a similar name to one of her children and grandchildren so i also see those kind of patterns um in naming conventions from one generation to another um to assure or to to offer a more un, a deeper understanding of perhaps um, relationship over generations how I think which is incredibly wise of folks who may not have known if their families would be preserved or if they would be sold away and thinking about naming their children in a way that perhaps they might be able to find one another in the future um, and so thinking about that generationally seeing the same names repeated over and over and over again um, it has significance. It's important. And so that question for me of trying to discover more about um, about her, the life before and the life after, um, I'm really fascinated and I am finding more and more information um, about that. And one thing, for example, was within a sale record, um, which is wild to find a record for the sale of your own ancestor and her children. Um, we'll, we can talk more about that and as well as um, a probate, a will, which may list her mother within it. So lots of things that we can find within um, county courthouses, within online repositories, and some are deeply, deeply troubling. <laughs> um, and it opens up again an understanding of, of who we are, where we come from, and the resilience of, of our peoples. So we want to offer that um, 
those some of those strategies for finding birth certificates, for finding death certificates, for um, reaching into social security certificates um, or social security information. Um, is there anything that you would like people to hold on to from this conversation? Well, uh, I I think the piece a wall can be frustrating because um, you, go to mommy, some other can you, mommy can you say all that that again um about hitting the wall well i was just saying that um maybe you should go off camera because you're but that when you hit a wall it can be frustrating i know i've gotten to a point that i can't find anything but go to some other area of your history and research over there. And that wall will sometimes miraculously open up and you'll find that information that you've been looking for. You know, somebody will post something and, and you'll be like, this is what I've been looking for for the last six months. And here it is right here. So don't get so frustrated that you stop. There are a lot of other ways to try to get that information. And you could just go and research another area of your family, start asking. Oh, the other thing is to, while we're talking about legal documents, don't negate the stories because you want to hear people's stories. They can also provide such information. So get the oral as well as the legal documents and put them together. And that way you can get your history. So record those oral stories, listen to the elders and and get that information and it may be very helpful in sending you on your gerontological genie gerontological i'm all, all <laughs> <laughs> genealogical journey <laughs> so, so um, that's it for this episode yeah so for those who are listening and you're like oh i know i can do this now i can find this birth certificate and that will help me to understand a little bit more about my people. Yes, you can find this information. And hopefully us talking a little bit about strategies to get it um, is helpful. And let us know how it's going and what your holdups or the hangups are in the process and the beautiful discoveries along the way. We're on the Instagram under StoryJoy Inc., and you can also support the work through our Patreon under Generational Archives. We're talking about doing a Generational Archives-specific Tiki Talk. So we'll see if I can convince Mommy to really do it. Um, but yeah, let us know how things are going. And we're really interested in your discoveries and building that into how we can continue to grow in community. Thank you all. So subscribe, 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 like, comment. If you have a question for us, we'll try to answer, at least from our experience. For sure. So, and we'll see you next time and talk about another aspect of finding your people. Bye. Bye-bye.